One day, while her spiritual director was visiting that great mystic and stigmatic St. Gemma Gilgani, who died in April of 1903, her relic is next to the tabernacle on the gospel side of the altar. One day, St. Gemma went into an ecstasy. And during this ecstasy, she asked our Lord for the conversion of an obstinate sinner, a high-ranking Freemason. Our Lord wouldn't hear of it. He told St. Gemma he has abused grace too much, he is hardened in his evil ways, and I have abandoned him. But St. Gemma wouldn't give up. Save him, Jesus. Save him. Be good to him, Jesus. Don't say that to me. In thy mouth, that word, abandon, sounds bad. Thou must not say it. Despite all of St. Gemma's begging, our Lord continued to insist on divine justice. St. Gemma didn't give up and replied, I am not seeking thy justice, Lord. I am imploring thy mercy. Jesus, go in search of that poor sinner. But our Lord would not yield. Then our Lord explained to St. Gemma in perfect detail all the evil deeds of that sinner and added that for that sinner, the measure of sin had been filled up. But St. Gemma still didn't give up. She begged once more for the conversion of the Freemason. But our Lord remained inflexible. St. Gemma became quiet for a moment and then said, Well, I am a sinner, and so I am, am unworthy that thou shouldst listen to me. But I'm going to go to your mother. Imagine saying no to thy mother. Surely thou cannot say no to her. And so St. Gemma turned to Our Lady. Her spiritual director recorded what happened next. Quote, Gemma, with a look of indescribable joy, exclaimed, He is saved. He is saved. And then she came out of, his ex out of the ecstasy. When it was over, having withdrawn to my room, with my mind engrossed by a thousand thoughts, I suddenly heard a tap at my door. A strange gentleman, Father, has called and wishes to see you. I bade him come in. He threw himself at my feet, sobbing, and said, Father, hear my confession. Good Lord, I thought my heart would burst. It was Gemma's sinner, converted at that same hour. He accused himself of all that I had heard repeated by her in ecstasy. He had forgotten one thing only, and I was able to remind him of it. I consoled him, told him what had just happened, and got his leave to narrate these wonders of the Lord. Close quote. This miraculous conversion reminds us today on the great feast of Our Lady of how great and powerful Our Lady really is. St. Gregory the Great used to say, quote, Nothing resists your power, O Mary, and your son appears to be fulfilling a duty when he grants your prayers. Close quote. We can easily see the truth there when we see the case of this Freemason hardened in sin. And yet, when Our Lady asked her son for his conversion, our Lord just couldn't say no.
Just think of how incredibly powerful her intercession is. Our Lady's influence over our Lord is so great that that great bishop and doctor of the church, St. Hilary, says, quote, No matter how sinful one may have been, if he has devotion to Mary, it is impossible that he be lost. Close quote. No matter how sinful one may have been, if he has devotion to Our Lady, it is impossible that he will be lost. How can this be? St. Alphonsus explains, quote, Mary is our mother. And what mother would not deliver her son from a death sentence if it only depended on her asking the favor of the judge? And can we think that Mary, who loves those devoted to her with a mother's most tender love, will not deliver her own children from eternal death when she can do that so easily? Close quote. Our Lady is the Mother of Mercy. She's our advocate and she's our hope. No matter how sinful we've been, if we have devotion to Our Lady, we can be confident of our salvation. So nothing should stop us from expressing that devotion. When we read the lives of the saints, examples of their devotion to Our Lady jump out from almost every page. What can we do? We can put an altar up in our house in honor of Our Lady, or a shrine in our yard. We can put flowers in front of her image or statue. We can wear her miraculous medal. We should say the three Hail Marys every morning and every night. We should be enrolled in her brown scapular, or better yet, the five scapulars. We definitely should say our rosary daily. All those are wonderful devotions. But today, we're going to talk about the best devotion. Before talking about this devotion, let's consider a few of the recommendations it has. Quote, reading this book was a decisive turning point in my life. This perfect devotion is indispensable to anyone who means to give himself without reserve to Christ and to the work of redemption. Pope John Paul II. Quote, the force and unction of the words of Mary's servant have not only touched, but captivated and converted many souls. Pope Pius XII. Quote, I have practiced this devotion ever since my youth. Pope Pius XI. Quote, small in size, but of what great authority and what great sweetness. May it be spread ever more and still more and rekindle in Christian spirit in souls in ever-growing numbers. Pope Benedict the Fifteenth. Quote, I heartily recommend true devotion to Mary, and to all who read it, I grant the apostolic benediction. St. Pius X. On his deathbed, Leo XIII renewed his consecration to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And finally, this is the best and most acceptable form of devotion to our Blessed Lady, Blessed Pius IX. This is the best and most acceptable form of devotion to the Blessed Mother. So what is it? What is the best and most acceptable form of devotion to our Blessed Lady? The true devotion to Mary, which is explained in the book of the same title, written by St. Louis de Montfort, this is the best. In fact, the difference between this devotion and all the other devotions to Mary 
In the spirit, it's just like in the spiritual realm, the difference between conventional and thermonuclear war. You can't get any more powerful than this. This is it. This is the limit. Although St. Louis Marie spends 170 some pages explaining the finer points of this devotion, the basic concept is really easy to sum up. Being truly devoted to Mary means depending on her in all things and at all times. The foundation of the best and most acceptable devotion to Mary means being dependent on her in all things and all times. As St. Louis Marie asks, are we so senseless as to imagine we can find a more perfect or shorter means of glorifying God than to submitting ourselves to Mary after the example of her son? Close quote. For the sake of time, we'll only consider one of the many reasons St. Louis Marie gives for why this devotion is the best. Quote, because by this practice, we give to our Lord, through his mother's hands, all our good works, so that by her good, our good mother purifies them, embellishes them, and makes them acceptable to her son. Close quote. St. Louis Marie explains how Our Lady does this. He asks us to imagine a poor little peasant who wants to gain the friendship and good favor of the king. But the very best present he can come up with is a single piece of fruit. That's not exactly overwhelming, a piece of fruit. Kings are probably aren't overly impressed if you walk in and says, here's an apple, king, can you do me a favor? Probably not. So St. Louis Marie points out that this is just as if, the true devotion is just as if this peasant takes his piece of fruit to the queen and gives it to her. And then what does she do? She takes the fruit, polishes it up, puts it on a golden dish, and then she herself presents it to the king. Then as St. Louis Marie points out, because of the golden dish on which it's placed and the queen who presented it, this piece of fruit will become worthy of the majesty of the king. Hold on just one sec. The devil's stirring them all up. When you start preaching Our Lady, this is real typical, so don't be disturbed. It's, it's, he's just irritating those little kids. You just say a prayer and they'll quiet down. Anyway, and that's what's going on right now. So don't let him rattle your cage. Okay, so... This piece of fruit in itself, big deal, you know, to the king. But because his mother is coming and the queen comes in with this golden plate and presents it, the king, all right, this is, this is as St. Louis Marie says, quote, when we present anything to Jesus by ourselves, he examines it. And if it's stained with our self-love, he oftentimes rejects it. But when we present anything to Jesus by the pure and virginal hands of his mother, he does not consider so much the thing that's given to him as the mother who presents it. Close quote. He's not considering so much our request as who is making the request on our behalf. And he can't beat that. That's just what we saw with St. Gemma. As she herself pointed out, she was a sinner, and so she was unworthy that the good God listened to her. He had every right not to accede to a request. But even though our Lord wouldn't accept her request, he immediately accepted exactly the same request when she turned to our mother. It came from his mother, and he granted it instantly. Now we can clearly see from that example why the true devotion is the best devotion. Because by it, everything that we do or ask 
passes through Our Lady's hands to our Lord. And Our Lady is our advocate. That's what we call her in the Hail Holy Queen, our advocate. She's advocating for us. When we ask her to, she's the best of mothers. She hurries to ask our Lord for what we need. She's our hope. Now, besides the popes we've already mentioned, and St. Louis Marie de Montfort, the true devotion to Mary was practiced, among others, by doctors of the church. St. Alphonsus, whose relic is on the other side of the, of the tabernacle. St. Ephraim, St. Bonaventure, St. Anselm, St. Bernard. It's also practiced by St. Bernadine, St. Leonard of Port Morris, St. Peter Julian Amar, St. John Riavini, the Curie of ours, St. Gabriel Facetti, and the Little Flower. Think about the company you'll be in if you practice this devotion. Think about the company you'll be in if you read this book. Read the book. Take your time, but read this book. At the very least, read, he's got a little... St. Louis knows how people are, so not only does he have the book, he has a pamphlet. It's a short little pamphlet called The Secret of Mary. It's this book digested for people that are in a hurry. At the very least, read The Secret of Mary. Blessed Pius IX said this is the most pleasing, the best and most acceptable form of devotion to Our Lady. And he knew what he's talking about. This devotion is incredible. It'll change your life. I speak from personal experience. Anyone that enters into this devotion and really tries to live it, your life will change and you'll be full of hope, come what may. Here's something that each one of us needs to ask himself. If Our Lady can get her son to instantly, instantly convert an obstinate, abandoned sinner like that Freemason and save him from destruction, what will she get her son to do for me if I practice the true devotion and voluntarily turn over the handling of my spiritual life to her? If she can give someone like that Freemason such a big spiritual boost, what can she do for me? if I turn to her. Now we're not the only ones thinking about what Our Lady will do for us if we turn over our spiritual life for her. The devil, as we've noticed, also knows full well that it's impossible for someone truly devoted to Mary to be lost. And he also knows full well that the true devotion to Mary is a weapon of mass destruction with regards to his kingdom. St. Louis Marie himself prophesied, quote, I clearly foresee that raging beasts shall come in fury to tear with their diabolical little teeth this little writing about true devotion, or at least to smother it in the darkness and silence of a coffer that it may not appear. Close quote. This prophecy came true to the exact letter. The manuscript was unknown for 126 years after St. Louis Marie's death, till it was found in a chest of old books by a Montford father. The devil knows Who's going to crush his head? He knows. He knows. What are we saying here? We're saying that the saints and the popes all love this devotion, and the devils all hate it. Well, if the saints and the popes all love this devotion, and the devils hate it, it's kind of a no-brainer what we ought to do. Let's close with a reflection from the true devotion to Mary by St. Louis Marie de Montfort. Quote, those who practice the true devotion shall be true disciples of Jesus Christ, walking in the footsteps of his poverty, humility,
contempt of the world, charity, teaching the narrow way of God and pure truth according to the Holy Gospel and not according to the maxims of the world, troubling themselves about nothing, unaffected by others' opinions, no matter how influential they may be. They shall have in their mouths the two-edged sword of the Word of God. They shall carry on their shoulders the bloody standard of the cross, the crucifix in their right hand, and the rosary in their left hand, the sacred names of Jesus and Mary in their hearts, and the modesty and mortification of Jesus Christ in their own behavior. And Mary is the one who, by the order of the Most High, shall fashion them. Close quote. No matter how sinful one may have been, if he has a devotion to Mary, it is impossible that he be lost. Those who practice the true devotion will be true disciples of Jesus Christ, walking in his footsteps, carrying on their shoulders the bloody standard of the cross, the crucifix in the right hand, the rosary in the left, the sacred names of Jesus and Mary in their hearts, and the modesty and mortification of Jesus Christ in their own behavior. And Mary is the one, by the order of the Most High, shall fashion them. Mary shall fashion them.